I want to welcome all the parents here, especially those who have uh, never been here before, some freshman students, and I also want to welcome some of you students who have never been here before, except with your parents at this time. It's great to have both of you. Hopefully you continue to come. Um, I think these readings really speak actually to the nature of Parents Weekend, right? Any parent who takes the time and spends the money to come visit their children in college would only do that because they love them. Right? It's mercy. I'm giving my time and my money just to be with you. But that mercy comes with a judgment, right? Because if you come here and you find your students have terrible grades or they're just squandering this time away, there's going to be a judgment that follows that visitation. And in this gospel and in all the readings today, we see that twofold mercy of God and the judgment of God. God is the one who gives us everything that we have in this world. All of creation, our very bodies and our souls, the gifts, the talents we've had, our family, our friends, and especially our faith. And he is the one that continually comes back to us to feed our faith and look for its produce. But within that comes a judgment. What am I doing with the talents that have been given me? especially in my relationship with the Lord, right? And so when Jesus is giving this parable, he's talking to the Jews. And the Jews were the ones who were given the Old Testament covenant. And that covenant was the gift that says, you are my people and I'm going to be faithful to you. And your fidelity to the covenant is your way, your fidelity to the commandments of showing that you're also faithful to me. That's how we produce fruit and bringing other people into the family of God. And he said he kept sending messengers and servants to them to check on the fruit who were rejected. Those are the prophets of the Old Testament. And finally, he said he sent his own son, Jesus Christ, who was then put to death. So Jesus is talking about what would imminently happen to him in Jerusalem. And because the Jews at that time rejected the covenant, that's how he got the fact that we're all here. So the covenant was then taken from them and given to the Gentiles, the Greeks, and all those who are built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. And that there's something very, very serious in that. Something that we all need to keep in mind is that if we do not live our faith, we lose our faith. If we are not faithful to the commandments of God, the gift of his relationship and the what sets us apart as his people will be taken away. Right? And that's why I'm, I'm always impressed when parents come to me, especially around this time, and uh, ask about their children, you know, and how, how's, your, how's their relationship with the center? What are you doing here? Because that's the greatest testament you can give, that the faith is important, right? And sometimes they'll stand there and, you know, how's little Johnny been doing? And inside I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen him a day in my life, but I'm like, he's doing great, you know, and, and Johnny's just standing there scared and... I'm like, I better see your confession next week, right? We'll talk more then. Um, but the, just you parents showing up to Mass, right, being here, asking those questions, you're teaching your children that this is important. That's the greatest way you show that you love them. Now, if you happen to be at Mass today and you weren't at Oktoberfest on Friday, which we had here, that was a holy night of obligation. So when you come forward, just make sure you cross your arms and go to confession before you receive again. So that was a great night. Next year, just know that every family's uh, parents weekend 
we have our Oktoberfest. Friday night is a great time for you parents to meet one another, right? And really the students to get together. So next year, I hope to see more of you there on that. But the reason I really think this speaks to the fatherhood of God, which at times can be seen tyrannical. And that's what the world is really putting out about parents and about God, that God's love is seen as taking away our freedom and demanding too much from us, right? Like a helicopter parent. But there is so much more damage, more suffering that comes from parents who are not present to their children. I would much rather be told that I was too present, that I talked about sin too much, that I talked about confession and the need for the sacraments and the need to jump into cold plunges too much than to not be present here at all. To be a present parent, that's what we're all called to be. Right? And that's what God shows himself in the scriptures. He's the one who's always coming to us. But the great scourge of our time is what Pope Benedict passed, um, once said. He said, we're living in the time of the pater absconditus, the absent father, where we don't experience the fatherhood of God as much in our world. It's as if God has been sent, pushed to the side. And with that, the fatherhood in the family has also taken a back seat. The fatherhood of priests, not as present. I had a conversation with a young woman some time back, and she uh, was telling me about her experience after her parents divorced. And she said at one night, she was in high school, she was living with just her mother at that time and her siblings, and she had was out at a party till like the middle of the night and she'd never done that before. And she said she was so scared when she was coming home about what would happen. And so she's trying to be so quiet, sneaks into the back, makes it into the house, and it was all empty. Everyone was asleep. And she was so happy for a moment. She's like, I got away with it. I'm not gonna get in trouble. She was, but then at that very moment, this deep, sadness entered into her. She said, that's when I realized no one was waiting up for me. Who's going to protect me? So yeah, you can get away and have a good time for a little, a little bit, but nothing can compensate for the emptiness of not having a parent at home looking after you. That's what we all want in the end. A father who cares about us, parents who are there for us, looking for fruit, and helping us to, to produce that in our life. You know, I tend to use movie images a lot in my homilies as a way to connect with the young folk. And last Sunday, uh, a few of us went to go see The Exorcist. And that was the 40th anniversary was in theaters again. So a bunch of us went to see it. People always ask, why do you like these Exorcist movies, the possession movies? Simple. It really helps me with college ministry. You know, before, I used to just like talk to students and counsel now I just throw holy water, water on and say, be gone, Satan. And it takes care of a lot more of the problems just, just like that. So, um, but something I didn't realize before is that the exorcist is actually a commentary on what's happened in the family in the West, especially in America. Because if you watch it, the, the woman in it, um, she's very career oriented. Right? She's an actress. They have a lot of money, but she's recently divorced with one child who's about you know, eight years old. And because she's absent from the household and because Reagan's father abandoned her and wasn't there, 
it left an emptiness that needed to be filled. And at one point you see her talking about this man, this spirit named Captain Howdy that she's conversing with through a Ouija board. And later on, you only see this, like it's very subtle on a, ma- on a magazine, but you see that her father's name was Howard. And so even this demonic entity that came upon her presented himself as a replacement for the father figure. And that's where all the sufferings came in. And we see this in the lives of so many broken families, right? When the, when the parental structure breaks down, that's when evil spirits can enter into the vineyard and disrupt the produce. And what what's also goes further with that is they go to psychologists, they go to counselors, they go to doctors, scientists, even police, trying to figure out what's wrong with her, and everything fails, except when the priests come in. And the job of the priests were to reinstate the fatherhood of God in their home to reinstate faith, number one, and number two, to offer their lives in sacrifice to save this little girl, completely opposite of what her, her, her father did. And I think the great teaching that we have here is that no one is an orphan who is in the Catholic Church. No one is fatherless who has a priest. No one is alone who ever walks into the Catholic Church because you always have Jesus Christ present here in the Holy Eucharist. And that's the essential teaching of our faith. And in the same way that society would want to corrupt family by saying that your parents are over, overpowering you and keeping you from developing your potential, so the same narrative goes on about God, that somehow God is there to take away our freedom and take away our potential. But there's nothing more destructive to our potential than to be fatherless and to not have somebody watching over us, protecting us and guiding us. And that's what Jesus Christ tries to tell us over and over again. You are never alone. You have a father who is always sending messengers, guides, coming to you, helping you to grow. And his favorite messenger to send is his mother, the Blessed Virgin Mary. And in October, this is a very special month dedicated to Mary, uh, Our Lady of the Rosary, and two of the most important apparitions in the history of the church happened in, on October 13th, next Saturday. That's part of the reason I want to preach on this apparition today. Um, in 1917, October 13th, Mary appeared in Fatima. Right? We've all heard about Fatima and the messages Mary gave there, that there would be a great catastrophe that would come if the world didn't convert. This was year, like 20 years before World War II happened, and no one thought that that would, that would be possible again. And she called everyone to wear the scapular, to pray the rosary, and to, to turn back to God to protect us from the suffering that would come. And that was when the great miracle of the sun happened, right? 70,000 people saw the sun dance. People were cured of illnesses. Major conversions took place. They said it was one of the biggest miracles in the history of the church. October 13th. Then in 1973, in Akita, Japan, Sister uh, Agnes Sasagawa, she was a nun. She uh, was deaf all her life, never heard a human voice speak. And she'd been a nun for many years. And one morning she was 
praying right before the tabernacle, and all of a sudden she saw this great light emanating from it. And then her guardian angel appeared to her, right before her, prostrate. And for the first time, she heard a voice speaking to her. First time in your life, can you imagine? And it was the Blessed Virgin Mary. And Mary, at that time, asked her to pray very much for reversion back to the Holy Eucharist, understanding that Jesus Christ is truly present in the Eucharist, that we must go to confession, ask for forgiveness, wear the scapular, and pray the rosary. And then all of a sudden, there was this wooden statue right next to the tabernacle. And that wooden statue began to uh, cry tears. Over 101 tears came from that statue, studied by scientists all around. No one could explain it. Not only that, but Sister Agnes got the stigmata in her left hand. So she started losing blood from her left hand, and the right hand of Mary on that statue began to, to excrete blood from the wood. Again, this has been studied. The reason this apparition was approved by the church, by actually Pope Benedict, before he was pope, was because it couldn't be not be denied the messages as true and, uh, and the miracles that came along with it. This is in Akita, Japan. And Mary promised her that at the end of the apparitions, her hearing would be healed. She would no longer be deaf. So I want to read to you the same message that she gave on October 13, 1973, 45 years after the message of Fatima, for all of us to reflect on. She says, each day recite the prayers of the rosary. With the rosary, pray for the Pope, the bishops, and priests. The work of the devil will infiltrate even into the church in such a way that you will see cardinals opposing cardinals, bishops against bishops. The priests who venerate me will be scorned and opposed by their confreres. Church altars will be sacked, and the church will be full of those who accept compromise. What's another word for those who accept compromise? Butt Catholics. We talked about that last week. I'm not going to ask for what another word for a butt Catholic is. We also learned about that last week. So the church will be full of those who accept compromise. And the demon will press many priests and consecrated souls to leave the service of the Lord. The demon will be especially implacable against souls consecrated to God. This happened in 1973. Over 100,000 priests and over 130,000 nuns left the priesthood in the West in the last 50 years. We have never seen that kind of exodus before. And Mary predicted it before it happened. If sins increase in number and gravity, there will be no longer pardon for them. Pray very much the prayers of the rosary. Those who place their confidence in me will be saved. God never stops sending us messengers to call us to conversion, to tell us that he is real. Our life matters. The choices we make matter for time and for eternity. And that's the way that he shows us his love, his mercy, because he never stops talking to us. But that mercy comes with a judgment. It comes with a choice. Will I turn my life back to God? Will I make him the number one priority of my life and give the fruits of everything I am back to him? Or like those unfaithful tenants, will I refuse the messenger 
and go my own way. That's a choice every single one of us has to make on our own. Invite us now. We're going to put these prayer cards into your um, pews. Invite us all to kneel. We're going to pray the prayer that Sister Agnes was taught by the Blessed Virgin Mary. And my request to all of us here is that you pray this prayer every single day this month. This was taught by Sister Agnes, whose deafness went away, all the miracles that came with it. She was taught to pray this every single day. I invite us all to pray that this month of October. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, most sacred heart of Jesus, truly present in the Holy Eucharist, I consecrate my body and soul to be entirely one with your heart, being sacrificed at every instant on all the altars of the world, and giving praise to the Father, pleading for the coming of his kingdom. Please receive this humble offering of myself. Use me as you will for the glory of the Father and salvation of souls. Most Holy Mother of God, never let me be separated from your divine Son. Please defend and protect me as your special child. 